Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there. You're listening to the Syrupcast. We're, uh, we're on episode 155. We're recording this week's episode on Thursday, January 18th. The Syrupcast is a podcast devoted to fostering intelligent and sometimes funny discussion related to the Canadian tech and telecom ecosystem. This week, we have a star-studded lineup. We have old reliable Patrick O'Rourke. What's up, Igor? Not much. Just happy that you're here. Good, good. I'm always here. Always here. We have Ted the Prince, Critsonis. Ted? Always a pleasure to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thank you very much. And we have a new player entering, Mr. Simon Cohen. S- Simon, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining us. Um, and let it be said, this is not the Digital Trends uh, podcast, <laughs> even though we have two Digital Trends writers on with us. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about CS and uh, some LG news. We're a bit sh- strapped for time, so let's just jump into it. Uh, Teddy, you were at CS for us. Late- what was it like this year? Uh, it was, Besides crazy. Uh, yeah, it was. It was as crazy as last year. I'm not sure how many people were actually there. It might have been even more than last mm. year. Uh, it was the first time that I can think of, and maybe even ever for the show's history, that there was a blackout uh, during the show. And a flood. And a flood. Yeah, it rained a lot. Actually. Sounded downright biblical. Yes, it did. It did. Uh, you know, very ironic. Were, uh, you, were you on the show floor during the, the blackout? I, I, I was, but I wasn't where the blackout happened. Oh, so okay. the blackout happened uh, in the central hall. Uh, apparently parts of the south hall were hit. I was in the north hall and outside of it, I was in a press room. And uh, I was hearing like murmurings about a, a blackout, you know, and uh, and it turns out it was true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a uh, apparently what happened was there was water from all that rain that fell uh, Monday and Tuesday. There was a lot of rain, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And it apparently blew out a transformer. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the most interesting product you saw? I think it wasn't, I mean, we can get into products maybe later. I think it's more the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the whole conversation around 5G mm-hmm. uh, is interesting, especially as it relates to vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I think the most interesting thing was Ford's CEO, Jim Hackett, basically saying that, you know, car ownership is not really going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. He didn't say that explicitly, but I think that was the implication that I got. They've been on that track for a while. now. Yeah, Yeah, but for to have a CEO say it, though, Mm -hmm. um, in so many words to say basically like, hey, we need to focus on building out systems, not cars, uh, I thought was a huge, huge pivot in mentality for, uh, for an automaker. Okay, that's one interesting trend. Uh, Simon, were you following along and what did you kind of take from yeah, the show? Yeah, I was, I was following along remotely from my desk, which is mm-hmm. the only way I get to CCS these days. But uh, um, I, was, I was struck by the fact that uh, you know OLED technology for me mm-hmm. was a huge thing back in 2007. When I first saw that, I was so blown away by that display technology. And I've been waiting ever since to see, okay, so what, what improves mm-hmm. on OLED? Is there such a thing? Does it get better? Mm-hmm. And so I was fascinated to see micro LED uh, from Samsung show up, especially with its modular 
uh, mm. capability because one of the things that I've kind of always wished for in my sort of future playground at home is what if an entire wall of a room could be a display and then what if that display had uh, a camera in the background so that you could actually have that true wall-to-wall communication with someone at a distance that would be amazing and I haven't seen anything that's going to allow that to happen and I'm thinking maybe it's going to be micro LED that'll do that did you see the wall I did yeah I did and uh, it is very cool Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably the closest LED is going to get to OLED Mm -hmm. at this point um, the question is, is that how do you make it so that it's, it's cheap enough to, for people to buy, mm-hmm. uh, it's really expensive to produce. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why Samsung didn't, didn't really say anything about pricing. They didn't really say much even about availability, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think right now I look at it more conceptually than I do as a finished product. I mean, it looked great, but you know, we've seen some really interesting TV stuff like Simon, I know you've been at the show many yeah. years too. We've seen some really interesting stuff with TVs over the years that never, ever saw the light of day. I'm not saying that that's the case here, mm-hmm. but I think Samsung's going to have to find a way to make them for less money. And I don't know. That's I agree. Really hard to do. The, the thing that gives me hope that that's actually going to happen is is apparently Apple's invested in this technology now, too. Yeah. Now, probably just for mobile screens, which yeah. is fine. Totally. But that's where it starts. If they can yeah. figure it out, uh, the economics at a mobile level, then presumably one, they can eventually ramp that up to something much larger, which would be amazing. Uh, for people who haven't heard too much about micro-LED, what are some of the advantages compared to, I guess, traditional LED TVs and even against OLEDs? Well, for one thing, you're making the pixels smaller than they already are. Mm-hmm. So one of the advantages OLED has is that the pixels emit their own light. Mm-hmm. In this case, you're, you're kind of applying that principle to uh, an LED panel mm-hmm. as well where you don't really need the backlighting mm-hmm. they can kind of emit their own light as well but the modular aspect that simon brought up is the other side of it so now you can basically go from like a 55 to like an 85 mm-hmm. based on how many panels you add to it right like that's we you know it's weird when you think but about it's super it. cool but it's super cool did they show how that works like the, the actual plug and play process of it uh <laughs> i didn't <laughs> i didn't actually see them assemble okay. yeah. a, a screen they had like a massive like i think it was like 144 inches or okay. something it was like massive yeah. and you saw it at one point you saw it as like a 65 mm-hmm. uh and then it just you know almost like it exploded into like oh, 144 okay. right um so it looked like a tv on a wall a 65 inch tv on a wall and then suddenly it's like oh wow like the whole wall is basically Mm -hmm. the tv that was my big question was how easy will it be for the average person to expand this uh yeah which is why i brought up the pricing because i think even on the face of it it's an expensive thing to to -hmm. produce it's going to be very expensive to buy but then how do you make it so that it's cheap enough for people to go modular with it too so that they can expand with it right um i i personally i found I found LG's rollable OLED to be more scalable that way, not because you can expand it, but because mm-hmm. you probably could take that TV almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's real and they could produce this tomorrow if they wanted to. Yeah. That's pricey, pricey yeah. to produce, which mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't give me any numbers, but there's no way that that's not expensive to make, but it, it worked. I mean, I saw it with my own eyes, so it definitely worked. So which one will hit market first? Good question. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Samsung, bear in mind that for Samsung, TVs were like third or fourth place, mm-hmm. really. Uh, it's all about those appliances. It's the appliances and the car stuff that, mm-hmm. they're, that they're really going heavy on. 
So the TVs were not a big part of the narrative for the t- for the for the company. I mean, even at the at the booth at the show, I've never seen a Samsung booth like this before. Mm-hmm. It was dominated by appliances hmm. uh, and cars. Like the TV side was like a corner of the of the booth. That's never you know. I mean, Simon, that's never happened before. You've never seen anything like that, right? Like t- TVs used to be everywhere. Yeah. So I think Samsung purposely kept it a little bit. Not under wraps, but I think they they said, okay, you know what? We'll talk about it. We'll hype it, but we're not going to go all in on it because we don't really know, or we don't we're not really ready yet to announce what we're going to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, they don't want to go OLED, so they're going to try and do the micro LED thing. That's an interesting. Why wouldn't they go OLED since they're already you know when it comes to smartphone sized OLEDs, they are the king. Yeah, yeah. but that it's different when you're buying. You know, Simon, you can chime in, but I mean, yeah. I think it's different when you're buying displays mm-hmm. for phones that you're going to sell them in the millions, right? Compared mm-hmm. to what you're going to do with TVs, especially yeah. when you have to buy the, the panels from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and, and LG has just such a commanding lead over OLED at that 65-inch, 55-inch display yeah. size. I'm not quite sure how how Samsung can catch up now. I mean, it's it's to the point where Sony has already basically said, you know what, we'll just buy our panels from from LG. Everyone's buying their panels from LG. And now it's about, okay, what can we layer on top? Which actually is a good segue into what Sony showed off with their new video processor uh, technology for TVs, which apparently was the most, I mean, oh yeah, oh, I've heard people say it's the most spectacular display it's of the pretty, show. It's pretty amazing, yeah. Oh yeah. Which yeah. is exciting for me because I've been yeah. waiting for Sony to come back in yeah. a big way mm-hmm. and, and, and own that space that used to be theirs for so long. I've been sad to see them not doing as much development as they have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll just uh, I'll just add into that because this was probably the best I've seen from Sony on the TV side in years. Right. Oh, wow. Uh, the reason being, it wasn't just the AK. Like, the AK TV was, like, unbelievable. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was just that what we have is a company that's buying, in terms of the OLED screens, they're buying the panels from LG, but they're using their own technology mm-hmm. to make it look like a Sony TV, uh, okay. right? Yeah. And the results are, I mean, they're astounding. Like, they're really, really nice. Like, it's crisp. It's beautiful. The colors are, are really vibrant. So if I, I think if people saw this, I mm-hmm. think that they would be they'd be into it. So so they're doing the image processing and stuff behind they the are. scenes. Okay. Completely, I yeah. See. The color so, reproduction, they're doing all that stuff. So. so it's kind of similar in the sense where, you know, with the iPhone X, you have, you know, Samsung uh, panel, but, you know, kind of the Apple secret sauce, right? Right, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or like the Pixel 2 where it's like the opposite. <laughs> there you go <laughs> so yeah uh, simon did you catch any other meaningful trends that came out the cs uh yeah i was i was uh, amazed at how many people have jumped on the uh on the alexa bandwagon mm-hmm. in terms of pa- everyone assistant yeah everyone's doing a smart speaker yeah. this year yeah uh you know was i think last year everyone was doing uh, a wearable now everyone's doing a smart speaker that's that to me looked like one of the most dominant trends from this year just sitting from afar which also feels to me uh, like a bit of a dangerous game because if if neither Amazon nor Google have created a product that is absolutely kick-ass in this space, you've got to have a lot of guts thinking that you can come into this space, create your own smart speaker just by layering Amazon's technology or Google's technology onto your box and hope that that people are going to want to buy yours as opposed to theirs. That I'm not sure how that's going to work. Yeah, Pat, you know, you're someone who kind of dabbles a lot in, mm-hmm. with smart speakers what was your take on all of this i mean like last year we saw alexa and everything mm-hmm. um to me this year was google assistant yeah. and everything like there's tvs coming out left and right with google assistant integration there was some confusion around certain manufacturers 
think it was LG, they they uh, came out with a press release that made it sound like Google Assistant was built into the television along with Alexa. And then they later half redacted it saying that it's only um, compatible with Google Assistant devices. So you can like talk to uh, Google Home because like, it's cast enabled and then turn on your television and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think I've talked about it before. I think this is kind of like the new operating system more. Um, but Simon has a point, like a lot of the commands that you use for these devices, uh, they've come a long way uh, and it is using more natural language, but they're not quite there yet. Like you can't, you, you need to know what to say to these devices in order for them to do what you want them to do. Um, and I always come back to the example of uh, Microsoft Connect, the Connect 2.0. Um, it, it, it worked, but you needed to know very specific mm-hmm. commands. And it's the same case with uh, Google Assistant and Alexa devices. They work much better than the Kinect did. They, they hear you better. The commands are more natural. Um, but you still need to know specific commands in order to get them to do what you want them to you do. You need to learn their language. Yeah, you need to learn their language. Yeah. Phrasing ways. matters. Yeah. 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 yeah Phrasing really matters, right? And sometimes uh, even the so, order. Like if yeah, you yeah. tell something to, to play a song and you don't mention Spotify, sometimes if you don't have your account set up properly, with, mm. with Alexa, for example, it's not going to play it. It's going to play it from default from uh, Amazon Music instead of Spotify, mm. or it's going to try to play from Amazon Music even though you don't have an Amazon Music account, and it turns into this big this big mess. So I think mm-hmm. there's still a long way to go in terms of simplification, uh, simplifying them to make them more accessible. That kind of blows me away, though, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but anytime I type a search into Google, it feels like it, there's ESP going on there. They're totally reading yeah. my mind. Mm-hmm. That, that their assistant can't do that kind of level of, of predictive ability based on the fact that I've you know, maybe chosen my words in the wrong order. That feels weird to me. They should be able to do that. Especially yeah. for what's supposed to be a learning computer. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. That's really what these things are, is they're supposed to learn what you say and how you say it and then what it is you want, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. how it was always advertised to us. Uh, but it doesn't doesn't totally work like that yet. No, we're not there yet. No. And I think assistance way, way better than uh, Alexa in terms of just just asking questions, yes, like asking yes, simple agreed, questions. Agreed. It's leaps and bounds yeah. ahead of Alexa. Uh, yeah. But it's still, like you guys are saying, it's not there. Yeah. It's not quite there. Uh, Teddy, I get the sense that for a lot of these manufacturers, the floor is going to fall under them at some point. Just like, do consumers really want Alexa or Assistant in every single product they own, right? Or is it this one product, like the Google Home, that is becomes the center of this entire ecosystem? Well, I think, I think from their perspective, they just... They want to introduce people to these voice services, Mm -hmm. right? So if it's a Google Home Mini, great. Okay, right? Because a Google Home Mini or an Echo Dot is like a a really cheap cost of entry. You know, it's I'm I'm sure people gifted that to to people often over the Mm -hmm. holidays, right? So that's a good cost of entry. But if you happen to have a car Mm -hmm. that's going to have it in 2018 or 2019, and that's your introduction into it, hey, you're learning how to use it that way. I don't think they really care mm-hmm. uh, what, you know, I think they're happy with all the integration because they, they figure, okay, this is a great way to introduce our voice assistant, which of course is only going to get better to the masses. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to use it and then get used to how to use it. Mm-hmm. Right. And once they feel the convenience, they're going to keep using it all the time. So I, I, I think that, I think that they're thrilled that, mm-hmm. uh, that there's all this integration. Now it doesn't mean it's going to be successful uh, in every way. I mean, you know, I, I saw a lot of the Sonos-type products, right, mm-hmm. like LG with a speaker, and, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, so the Sonos One is going to support both. It's going to be the one speaker that supports both Assistant and Alexa. Alexa. Right now, so, does it only support Alexa? And right now, it's only coming? Alexa, yeah. Assistant's year. coming this year. 
So yeah. they just didn't say when. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, I think it'll be big. Um, I know, uh, Simon, you got to go soon, but there was one thing I really wanted to talk about, and that was the kind of interesting thing that happened uh, with CarPlay, involving CarPlay and Android Auto, yeah, yeah. specifically. Uh, so the Detroit Auto Show uh, is going on right now, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, first Toyota vehicle to have uh, CarPlay was announced, uh, the Avalon, <laughs> I believe. Um, but then kind of more interesting to me was BMW announced that you have to have a subscription to use CarPlay, which seems insanity um what was your take on all of that and then simon if you could chip in as well that's bizarre that they would ask for a subscription uh considering that bmw is not just supporting it now i mean they've supported carplay for some time yeah and they they refuse to support android auto because they don't trust google with all the data and everything but um toyota's move is basically a white flag yeah it's basically saying okay we can't do this alone Mm -hmm. uh i just tested the entune 3.0 system on Mm -hmm. home syrup um, and it just it, it just isn't up to par uh, mm-hmm. compared to a system that has CarPlay and Android Auto. So um, I, I I just I don't know that the subscription thing is going to work. But at least for Toyota, mm-hmm. it's it's a huge step in the right direction because people are going people like Toyota vehicles. They expect more from the dashboard. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if maybe BMW is is taking the same approach that Porsche seems to be taking with um, their onboard uh, technology in that. If you want a basic level of connectivity, uh, that that's included with your with your purchase. But they're layering on a whole bunch of extra services uh, through their. I think they call it the Porsche Connect platform, and uh, and and so maybe BMW is sort of just jumping to the next level and saying, you know what, we're just assuming that our our customers are going to want more mm-hmm. than just CarPlay. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to bake in a subscription service that isn't just enabling CarPlay because clearly you can't charge for that. But we're going to add a whole bunch of BMW specific, maybe they'll call it their iDrive services. I don't know, and and try to eke out a value proposition that way. Well, mm-hmm. it, it would make sense to me if they added data to that because you have the in-car Wi-Fi right. with mm-hmm. BMW's iDrive. So if you if you say, okay, here, pay us this much per mm-hmm. month, and we're going to give you X amount of gigs for data, I can kind of rationalize that because mm-hmm. then you're basically saying, hey, we want you to use the connectivity that's in the car. And we're going to enable you with some data to do so. Mm. But if there's no data as part of that package, I just don't, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a strange cash grab for a company that really doesn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, their vehicles are already premium priced anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's a bit odd depending on how they layer this out. Simon, before they tow your car, <laughs> I should let you go. Thank Thanks. you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, guys. This was fun. And, uh, Let's have you in again soon. Sounds great. All right. Now that we've uh, seen Simon off, uh, Teddy, you said you wanted to talk a bit about more or more auto stuff. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the fact that the North Hall was entirely automotive for mm-hmm. the first time ever just is an indication really of how powerful this show is becoming in the, even in the auto show circuit. Mm-hmm. It's not officially part of it, but it might as well be because Detroit, the Detroit auto show is basically like, Hey, here's what you can buy now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
CES is, hey, here's what's going to happen or could happen mm-hmm. in the years to come. So to me, CES is inherently more interesting because we're, we're seeing a glimpse of the future. I mean, Toyota's e-palette was a, in a way a bizarre vehicle. Like here you have this, like this eight-wheeled vehicle that's like see-through. It drives itself completely and it can be used basically as retail space, like rolling retail space. Wow, yeah. It could be used to transport people. Mm-hmm. It could be used for delivery. Like Amazon apparently is interested, mm-hmm. uh, along with Pizza Hut, mm-hmm. in using this thing to deliver uh, parcels and pizzas. So that was, I looked at, you know, I, I remember watching that keynote and thinking, okay, this is like a bizarre vehicle. But when I saw after the plan that they had for it, I thought, okay, interesting, right? So it, it speaks to the autonomous vehicle technology is evolving we already know that the show was all about that mm-hmm. and 5g is what qualcomm and samsung and and at&t and a couple other guys are trying to push as the industry standard mm-hmm. to get the cars to talk to each other and to talk to the wider infrastructure as mm-hmm. well you can't get full autonomy without the infrastructure to support it bottom mm-hmm. line and so this was the first time I, th- I think at CES that we saw that they talked about that in a very significant way. Samsung is interesting because Samsung's vision is almost like, hey, you can basically have, you can talk to your refrigerator to prepare your car, which by the way, will use your personal profile so that everything in the car mm-hmm. will be yours. Oh, and then when you're going to pick up your kid from school, they'll have a notification on their phone while playing some game that you're approaching them so they'll be ready. I, I Okay, I, I, I get the holistic vision <laughs> that they were trying to portray here, yeah. but I got the sense that it was based on a walled garden, and I, I just don't see how you can have technology like this is within it all, a wall. Is it all powered by Samsung SmartThings? As a matter of fact, it is, <laughs> now that you mention that. <laughs> yes, SmartThings will become an app in a, in a few months, and they're going to use that, basically, along with Bixby. Let's not forget. How could you forget Bixby? Good old Bixby. Yeah. Can't forget Bixby. Samsung's virtual personality, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they think that these two things are going to power this kind of integration. Uh, it looked good the way they presented it. But, again, I don't think that you can do this within a set of walls, mm-hmm. virtual walls. You can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even Apple is coming to the realization that, you know, they can't do things that way. I mean, you saw some HomeKit news mm-hmm. during the show, and I think they're realizing, like, okay, we can't we can't keep people enclosed. I mean, mm-hmm. this thing has to really open up. Briefly, um, what was the tenor in the Huawei tent? So Huawei, um, I did go to their booth. They, I saw the Mate 10 Pro. Mm-hmm. Really nice phone, by the way. Um but again, they they stuck largely, I found, to VR and mobile. There mm-hmm. was not a lot of... I didn't see that much from them otherwise mm-hmm. uh, at their booth. I didn't see the keynote. Um, but um, I don't know. Was there something specific you were... Well, just because for? the AT&T deal fell through, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, they obviously, they you know they wanted to, to go hard uh, on that, right? Get into the U.S. with a carrier. You got the carrier support and everything. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's still going to be an uphill climb for them, it looks like. Yeah. Um, Another carrier, or excuse me, not carrier, but uh, a smartphone manufacturer that had an interesting CES was uh, LG. Uh, They, a whole bunch of news came out from them. First, they're considering rebranding the G Series. Mm -hmm. Second, uh, 
Now, this is kind of interesting because I think there were many different ways to interpret what their uh, vice chairman said. Um, but the kind of stock interpretation that everyone took is that, and the one you're kind of pointing me towards, is they're not going to release G-series phones at a yearly cadence anymore. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what that means for the V-series because that might be their... I mean, for them, it's especially confusing to have two phones. Because but it makes no sense and, for them to have two flagships. Because one is not a phablet. Well, you're in no position to have two, two you, flagships. This well, is true. Who, one, who are you? One gets last year's processor, then the next one gets this year's processor. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. Um, and the last-minute decision is, like, we likely won't see the G7 at uh, MWC. That's Mobile World Congress, which yep. is typically when they've announced their uh, new G-series phones. Um so I'll just say, I'll just quote the vice chairman. He said, we will unveil new smartphones when it is needed, but we will not launch it just because our other rivals do. And then he added, we plan to retain existing models longer by, for instance, uh, unveiling more variants of the G series or V series. Uh, so as I said, people, most of the mainstream press kind of took this as we're done releasing yearly updates to the G and V series. I think for me, it was more like, maybe it's not a great idea to, show off our like uh to unveil the uh g7 alongside the galaxy s9 well <laughs> la- the last couple of years they thought it was a good idea so yeah. and it didn't probably didn't work out i think in a way this is an admission that we can't really play ball the way we want to be in, mm-hmm. the, in the flagship space so what we'll do is we'll leverage what we've done in that regard and we'll go towards the mid-range, mm-hmm. right? Because the LG Q6, like the Q6 was a variation. It was yeah. a variant of mm-hmm. the G6, right? It was not as, you know, it wasn't as powerful. It wasn't as good. But it had the display. It did have the display. And the battery life was good. So, and it was clearly in a mid-range price. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a mm-hmm. super expensive device. I think Dean really liked it. He, he, he reviewed did, yeah. it for us. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think it's, it's one of those things where you're, it's weird because I'm I'm thinking like okay the company's saving face by saying you know we're not abandoning anything particularly we're mm-hmm. going to do things on our own time right which you could say sounds a little arrogant from a company that has no business being arrogant mm-hmm. but at the same time they're also saying hey we recognize that we are we've gained some traction in the mid range and we're going to go with that. We're going to go with that strategy because ultimately it makes the most economic sense for us. Mm-hmm. That's now this is me purely speculating, but I think that's what it is. There's also that report that uh, the uh, what would it be G, the G7 uh, was finished, essentially finished, right? And, and they then scrapped it. Subsequently, yeah. totally scrapped because yeah. they. Uh, I can't remember the the uh, CEO's name. He wasn't impressed with it. The head of mobile wasn't the CEO, yeah. um, which which I thought was fascinating because we started seeing possibly legitimate leaks, leaks of, of the device. It, yeah. who knows if they're real right so <laughs> it's like it's like a thing that happens um it rarely happens in like a, in other industries like this product's done mm-hmm. you think that they would just release it anyways but yeah. they're, they're going to cut their losses and go back to the drawing board with it yeah so what do you make of all of that pat like the one thing that was interesting to me was i was reading on engadget is like or it was on a- android uh, central which broke the news and they said you know we'll probably still see a g-series sometime soon but that doesn't seem very likely to me like unless like what are they abandoning just the aesthetic design or the entire phone in in that report uh i think it was the korean herald um mm-hmm. They, they said that, like, there wasn't a hook 
this year. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like so there wasn't like a gimmick. There wasn't like a way to sell it. There right? were no there, friends. There's yeah. no mods. Yeah. There's no friends, and yeah. and they didn't really have like this eye catching thing, mm-hmm. um, which I understand because I think that that was some of the criticism of of the G6 last year was there wasn't there wasn't this like bombastic exciting feature. Mm-hmm. It was it was a fine phone, and and I think uh, I liked it. I think Rose reviewed it for us. She she mm-hmm. really liked it too. But there wasn't anything, um, for me anyways, particularly exciting about it. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't think phones need gimmicks. I, I think it's fine if it's just a phone. But from LG's perspective, I think that that was maybe what was missing from the G7 is there wasn't mm-hmm. this this thing this that they could market, this thing that they could market to sort of catch people's attention and make it stand out from the, the inevitable S9. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy, uh, the head of LG, comes up to you. And he's like, this is not how we do things at J-Balls. Uh, that's Korean conglomerates, <laughs> but we're going to put you in charge of our mobile division. We know you're not part of the family, but can you please set us on the right course? What is the right course for <laughs> LG? Well, um, I mean, for one thing, they, they've always had an underrated camera mm-hmm. on their phones. Uh, and I know that they've tried with commercials to, to pr- uh, promote it, but I think um, one way to stand out from the crowd is to make a, a feature that is indispensable Mm-hmm. on the device as good as anybody else, right? That's Google's approach. So Google did that with the Pixel. They basically said, okay, we may not have the prettiest phone, mm-hmm. but our camera is going to, you know, it's going to kick ass. Mm-hmm. So they did. And and though not everybody knows that, anybody that I've shown Pixel 2 photos that I've shot are mm-hmm. amazed. Yep. Like they're they're stunned. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, from, from L, you know, if I was to run, uh, theoretically, this, this, this organization... Uh, I would, I probably wouldn't take, I, I probably would take a similar approach I would, I, in, in that, hey, how about we make, you know, a mid-range device or something closer to the mid-range and make it, make the features in it punch above their weight, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because that way, at least you're not, people will not necessarily compare it to an iPhone or a Samsung, they'll compare it to something else. Especially with the prices, like imagine like an LG phone that shoots as good or better than an iPhone, but it's half the price. Mm-hmm. That might be appealing to people, mm-hmm. right? And I think that they might be going in that direction because otherwise, any hook, like Pat mentioned, that you know, any hook that they've tried to attach to the phone mm-hmm. just doesn't resonate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the modular thing didn't work out. The I DAC that hasn't worked out. The, the DAC hasn't worked out, even though again, yeah, like the sound quality is really good on their mm-hmm. on their phones too. None of these things have really been able to to settle at all, and I think that's also because as much as there's a lot of information out there, it's like a polarized world mm-hmm. where people are either Apple or Samsung. I mean, mm-hmm. when when Android is equated with Samsung, oh sorry, with the Android, even though quite frankly it, it's not a good version of Android, <laughs> certainly not a Samsung yeah, yeah. device. Um, but people are always sort of thinking in that polar world, right? Like. Do I go iPhone or do I go Samsung? For so many people, those are the only two brands that yeah. exist, mm-hmm. right? Like they, when someone says, "I'm going to go get an Android," they're going to go buy a Galaxy they mean device. A Galaxy That's device. what they mean, yeah. right? Yeah. There's no other devices. It's all just like window dressing until they get the Samsung device in the <laughs> yeah. store because that's what they want. Um, um, so yeah, what would you, I mean? Theoretically, if uh, Teddy were to hire you on as his vice chairman, what would you <laughs> tell oh, him? Man, to I don't even know. I like I, I agree with with what Ted was saying um, about the camera. I, I think the cameras have been pretty underrated. Um, I, I think that they honestly need to, to move away from the gimmick stuff. Like the, mm. the friends thing was, 
interesting <laughs> and i had fun writing about it but it wasn't it didn't pan out um i think the g6 was a, a relatively solid phone its biggest issue was the fact that it had uh, snapdragon 821 yeah and not the uh 835 Define, no, which was yeah. Yeah. the processor of the year right so like putting those side by side why would you buy that phone when you could get the galaxy yeah. with a much better processor not much better but like the better, the more modern one, right? You're dropping a thousand bucks about on a phone. You want yeah. the the best hardware. Well, we, well, we've said this before that the V30 should have been the G6. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if the if the V30 was the G6, we're talking about a totally different device Ball game. at that yeah. point. Yeah, you know, 835, like just the design, the camera. I mean, all the features that are in there. Like the V30 is an excellent device, mm-hmm. um, but the G6 compared to it, right? How would you characterize that? I mean, is it it's not exactly... Well, it's the, that's true. I think for me, what was the issue with the G6 was it was the uh, S8, but worse in like that's how every main, it. like just slightly worse than every uh, yeah. than the yeah. S8 in every yeah. category that was important. Which right? didn't make it like a bad phone, but why would you buy it when you could just get an S8 for, I think at the time it was like only a few, like $100 more or something when it first came out. Yeah, certainly like you yeah, can get yeah. both now off like on contract for $0. So right? I mean, to answer your question, I think it would be pretty much the same answer as Teddy. Like work on one device, one yeah. flagship device, um, pool all your resources into that and make sure that uh, the key things are met like great display mm-hmm. great camera uh and get rid of the gimmicks just focus on those things like make sure that the phone looks nice mm-hmm. but then also ensure that it has a great display and a great camera and price it aggressively mm-hmm. yeah maybe even price it under yeah uh, what samsung's doing well i mean yeah and that's why i think like seeing mm-hmm. that a note 8 is 1300 dollars, the iphone 10 is you know 14 15 which is crazy yeah right these crazy figures if you can come in under a thousand with some really compelling features mm-hmm. and specs you know, maybe you can win a few people over. Yep. All right. On that note, we should probably wrap up. Uh, shout outs. You too, Pat? Uh, you- yeah. So for my Switch Minute this week, I have an interesting one. Um, for a couple of weeks ago, I complained that we never see Canadian sales statistics related to any video games, particularly Nintendo. Um, and then interestingly enough, today Nintendo revealed that the Switch is the fastest selling video game console ever in Canada. Um, wow. So it beat out the the Wii, and I believe that's the first 10 months of it on the market. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't have the specific stale stats because uh, it's by, I, I guess, NPD. NPD. Um, and I've, I've requested them, so hopefully we'll get them. I've also okay. requested the Nintendo give them to us. I don't know if that'll happen. Uh, so it would be interesting to see just, just how uh, that chunk of 10 million Switches that have been sold, how many were actually in Canada. But mm-hmm. still, that's a tremendous accomplishment for Nintendo, and it's them bouncing back from the disaster that was the Wii U. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to the, the gospel that I've been preaching about the Switch uh, for, for quite a while now, just that it had th- that concept of a video game system that you can take on the go and have mm-hmm. that uh, console-grade experience, but then take home and plug into a TV and sit on your couch and play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, I think that just that inherent idea resonated with a lot of people. I got to hand it to them. They're a resilient company. They really totally are. like yeah. this is one of the biggest comebacks I'd say comebacks oh, yeah, I've yeah. seen in, in video games yeah. in a yeah, really no long doubt. time and I didn't think it was going to happen I was pretty skeptical of the yeah. switch when it was yeah. announced and it was uh, I mean if I can just briefly comment on it it was interesting because Iwate uh, he he took he said I'm not going to fire like we're not going to lay off anyone I'm going to take the hit reduce my salary to like one cent or whatever it is and just keep going from there yeah so Ted you're for me it is the Vegas Golden Knights. 
Uh, I was at the right. I was at the game against the Edmonton Oilers, uh, which also was on Hockey Night in Canada mm-hmm. um, <laughs> on uh, the, on Saturday, uh, past Saturday, and I'm shouting out more so to the the building. T-Mobile Arena is gorgeous, a gorgeous mm-hmm. building, great place to watch a game, and also the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, they you know even for those who don't know hockey that well, mm-hmm. uh, they were into it. Uh, this was a this was a great atmosphere. Oh, amazing! Uh, I was very impressed to mm-hmm. see uh, you know the, just the, the how raucous the crowd was, how into it they were, even if they didn't know the game that well. You know, yelling at the ref and uh, you know like That's really awesome. like really like cheering on their the you know the players and like you know they there was one guy they even had like you know to win a prize and he was able to you know he named like nine players on wow. the team. Uh, wow! You know, uh, for an expansion team, that's impressive. It's, it is, yeah. yeah. So I mean, there were all these just these little nuances I was picking up on while I was there, like the kind of jerseys they were wearing, like the names that were in the back, like nine different players or ten different players that I saw. So because there's no superstars on the team, so it was just it was an experience. It wasn't just a hockey game; it was an experience. Mm-hmm. How much were the tickets? Mine was 200 US. Wow! Are, yeah. Like you treated yourself. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Generally, you can get significantly cheaper though right is that actually surprisingly the the prices the the seats weren't that cheap okay um even even in the upper bowl they were over a hundred dollars i was 18 rows from the ice so i had a really good uh, good line of sight but um but yeah but it i mean that's nothing compared to leafs tickets oh well yeah that's uh, (laughs) a totally different story uh just quickly uh i saw um all the money in the world uh even uh mark Wahlberg's furrowed brow oh cool ruined the movie it was fantastic so if you feel like a good movie night check it out uh on that note you can um you can find mobile syrup at mobile syrup on twitter uh facebook and instagram pat you are at you can find me on twitter at at patrick underscore o'rourke and as always on mobile syrup rating stuff about games usually mm-hmm. <laughs> ted you can find me on twitter or instagram at by teddy k b y teddy k and uh certainly at mobile as well this site I've might have heard of called Digital Trends. Is that right? I'm there too, okay. among other places. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just at Igor Bonifacic. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next week. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns